Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. A little back. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ground info. I'm a 27-year-old guy from Norway who lives in the western part of Norway. I work and have a girlfriend. I'm 194 centimeters tall, or 6 feet 4, in the United States. 230 pounds, fairly athletic, and not scared of much here in life. But that night, I got incredibly scared. I haven't walked, camped, or done anything in the woods here since. I have been in the woods since, but not in this particular part of the country. I have always loved the forest. It's so quiet. I love being alone, actually. If I have spare time, I always like to do things outside. Whether it be fishing, jogging, playing soccer, basketball, hiking, or whatever, really. Now on to the encounter. The day was very normal. It was a Saturday afternoon. I had packed my tent and some food and was heading to the local mountain for a one-night camping trip. It wasn't a very difficult hike, but it was a very steep one. After two, three hours, even though I'm in respectable shape. I am heavy and long. I was pretty tired. I didn't have any have any mobile phone or clock with me, but my best guess is that the time was around 8 p.m. It's not that easy to guess the time, 
since the sun is up almost all day and all night when it's summertime in Norway. It was a nice and clear Norwegian evening. It was typical summer weather. I made a fire and cooked some food. I had a couple hot dogs and a pack of marshmallows with me. After a couple of hours, I had eaten my food. Actually, I felt a little sick because I ate probably ten too many of the marshmallows. I had enjoyed my meal and taking in the heat of the fire, thinking what a lovely evening it was. Eventually, it started to get somewhat dark. I'm going to say the time was probably around 11 p.m. I had planned to kick back and read, but it became a little too dark to do that. Sure, I could see it all, but it became a little hard on the eyes to concentrate on the letters. I probably was a little too tired also. Suddenly, I heard a noise from a bush to my right. I turned to look in that direction and saw it just standing there. It was standing to my right and kind of ahead of me. I've listened to reports, and they all say it is some big seven, nine-feet monster of a beast. This one really wasn't that big. I would say it was six feet in the most, but it shook me hard. In one moment, I was enjoying a nice evening by myself, and in the next moment, I felt extremely startled. It was breathing heavy like a very tired man, but it sounded animal-like, wild, and weird. It sounded like it had throat problems or slime in his throat, or something. I really don't know how to describe it with writing. I was still sitting at this point and just looked at it. I believe I was actually frozen in fear. I have never ever encountered anything other than a deer in the woods. The most dangerous animal we have in this area is probably a fox. The creature was frozen as well. It was standing on two legs, with its arms down at its sides. I can't say how many seconds we both stayed like this. Of course it felt like forever, an eternity. I couldn't see its eyes because they were dark and kind of in the shadow of its brow or sockets, and it also had some hair, but its head was fixed on me. That I could tell. I was just sitting there paying attention to what it was doing. I didn't mutter a word at it or yell. It just wasn't something I considered doing. I was afraid of making the first move. Now, you know how a cat slowly moves its paws ahead when it thinks it's safe or when it thinks its prey isn't paying attention. Well, to me, that was what it started doing. The incident ended with me throwing a handful of red glowing sticks from the fire at it. When I did that, it bolted. I will tell more if you contact me. On a scout trip to Halliburton, Ontario, we had made a day hike out to a remote lake for the night. At the time, I was working on wrapping up my wilderness survival badge. One of the requirements was building and sleeping in a shelter, and I was so excited to avoid carrying more gear. We climbed a rock outcropping overlooking mislaid lake, and I began looking for a good spot to begin setting up. I discovered a partially uprooted tree that created a shallow burrow. The roots picked up all of the moss and dirt like a carpet, requiring minimal updates to make this hole a home for a night. After cleaning out the spider hotel, I shimmied myself deep under the roots in my bag for the night. I awake in the middle of the night in fear. I know something woke me up, but I'm not sure what. Laying perfectly still, my eyes wide open as my heart catches up and starts pounding. Then I hear it, something breathing. 
It's walking nearby, and it sounds big. Now my mind starts screaming bear as I start sliding deeper into the burrow. My friends in a tent nearby whisper to me, Hey, you hear that? Can you run over here? Quietly, I respond, no way. I have my knife trained on the entrance. My focus is locked in the small opening, contrasted by the bright moonlight as I wait for a snout to appear to launch my defensive. I hear the meandering steps getting closer when the animal abruptly pauses and then explodes with a huge snort. The amount of air this moose snorts out nearly blew out my eardrums. It sounded like an air hose breaking. In an instant, this moose blows and turns to run out of our camp, crashing through trees and brush along the way. At the moment, I was so relieved it wasn't a bear, but the next morning revealed just how close I came to disaster. Hoof prints a few strides from my flimsy moss roof. A few more steps and I would have been crushed. I was tree-planting north of Lake Nipigon for the summer. Halfway through a bag up, I realized I had to shit. Get my pants off, lean against a tree, and just as I start shitting, a massive black bear lumbers into the clearing. Looks at me. I look at him. I imagine my obituary mentioning I died at nineteen half covered in my own shit. He lumbers away. If I wasn't already shitting, I would have done it in my pants. Same summer, I'm just south of Lake Nipigon on a different cut block. It's raining hard as ever. I have my headphones and listening to Rage, and on top of that I have my hard hat on, and anyone who's worn a hard hat in the rain knows that it's loud as hell. Anyway, I'm about 50 feet out from the tree line when a song ends, and I feel this presence slowly turn around. Big F off bull moose bursts out of the tree line and is booking it at me. Screamed like a girl and literally dove behind this big-ass rock ten feet to my right. This asshole charges right through where I was standing impossibly fast because they're basically goofy all-terrain horses. Looks slightly over his shoulder at me as if to call me a lyle bitch then keeps galloping off into the far tree line. Taught me a lesson. Never blast music in the woods so loud that you can't hear your surroundings even if you're doing a shitty job that you can barely stand. Finally, next summer I'm planning near the border with Manitoba. Windy day, just finished bag up, crossing back through my land when a random huge gust of wind slams this cluster of dead trees, we call them shikos, and slams three of them over. The sounds of the roots ripping through the ground was insane. One of them was big enough to easily kill me and crush me so bad I'd be unrecognizable, which it would have done if its roots had given way faster and I didn't have an extra second to realize at what direction. It was falling, and Dodge left. Missed me by ten feet or so, had a forearm. Thick branch slammed my knee and knocked me out of commission for the day. Point is, tree planting in northern Ontario is basically final destination. Maybe just for me, though, Mayo. One, 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 one... I went camping in Ontario at a campground in May. It was still pretty cold, so it was super empty. During the night, myself and a friend were sitting by the fire when we heard noises in the bushes over the course of a few hours. Couldn't tell what it was. 
Then, once we got in the tent, a pack of coyotes surrounded us and were sniffing around at our feet through the tent. They were yipping and growling and whining outside our tent. Some laid against the tent, just waiting for some movement. It was horrifying. There was definitely at least ten. I called 911 because I didn't know what to do. They sent a cop car to our site, which scared them all away. The cop asked where I was from. I'm from a very rugged area with a lot of wildlife that aren't used to humans and avoid humans. And he laughed at me for being a wuss. Don't feed wildlife. I was at Walmart earlier, and there was a lady in the parking lot feeding the fox peanuts. Like WTF? My own personal encounter with a boogeyman was actually in town around dawn. I was in probably fifth grade, and unlike most kids, I was an early riser. It was actually about this time of year, probably six, thirty in the morning, and I was standing over the kitchen sink looking out the window with a cup of coffee. Hillbilly kid, coffee at age ten, was normal. Twitch. While Mom got ready for work, it was kind of foggy out and just starting to get light enough that you could see things clearly. Our house looked over a large yard, more of a field when you had to mow it. That sloped downhill with an old access road, maybe 120 feet from the window I was at, cut across it to reach the back of the property. It was all grassed over and smooth, so we kept it mown like the rest of the yard. I turned around for some reason, and, and when I looked back out the window down on the access road, this thing was walking down it from left to right. It was easily six feet long without the tail, and two, three feet high at the shoulder. Four long, legs walking steadily forward with its proportionally small, head down and forward just like a dog, heading somewhere with intention. What struck me was its coloration and tail. It was overall a brown color, just a generic brown dog color. But it had almost a cape. Wouldn't say mane of dark hair that went from its head over its front shoulders and tapered part way down its back with a long, curved, bushy tail held low and curving upward. At that distance, ears were indistinguishable, and its muzzle was oriented away from me, so it was hard to tell what kind of face it had. Its physical appearance said big dog, but the way it walked was exactly like a lion. It had a sort of sway and rolled its feet into the ground. The Bell Witch was the local haint in my hometown, that is a story in its own right, but I have an old tale related to her. Growing up, I would walk to from school, and I would cut through my neighbor's property to get there. Miss Abby was her name, sweet as pie with a voice smooth as butter. She was a widow and an empty nester, and I think all around a little lonely. Anyway, she and I got into this routine where I'd stop by her house every afternoon on my way home from school, and she'd usually feed me cornbread or biscuits or some sort of snack, and we would just hang out and chat out on her big front porch. Well, one day I noticed the doors were all flung open and something just didn't seem right. I walked into the house, and her house was torn to pieces. I mean, all the cabinets were open. 
everything pulled out and strewn all over the place. Honestly thought she'd been robbed. So I start yelling for her, and I hear her hollering upstairs. Now, keep in mind, she lived in an old Annabella mansion. This place was huge, and though I was there every day, I never made it past the kitchen. So I hear her yelling for me upstairs, and I run up this huge grand staircase and through this winding hallway, and I find her in her bedroom. She is distraught. She is ooting and hollering and wailing. I can't find it. I can't find the book. I asked her what book, and she says, the spell book. I knew exactly what she had meant at that point. Somewhere down her family lineage was relation to the Bell Witch, and somehow she had come into possession of one of her spell books. This was common knowledge to her close friends and loved ones. I remember looking at it once. She kept it locked up in a cupboard downstairs like it was a museum piece. She went on to tell me she had opened up the book that day just because she was curious or something. She ran out to the grocery store, and she came back, and her house was in ruins, but the only thing was missing was that damn spell book, never to be found again. Till her dying day, she swore she was cursed because of losing that book. The chill of the night air settled around me as I huddled near the fire, the flames casting shadows that danced across the faces of my tribe members. My name is... Tahatan, and I have been the skilled hunter and protector of my small tribe for many years. The elders would often share stories of legends and monsters that haunted the darkest corners of our land. Of all these tales, the one that terrified me the most was the story of the Wendigo, a malevolent, shape-shifting spirit that fed on hunger and greed. It was not long before my greatest fears became reality. Our tribe began to suffer a series of gruesome deaths, each victim mutilated beyond recognition. The evidence pointed to the return of the Wendigo, and as panic spread throughout the tribe, I knew it was my responsibility to hunt down the creature and put an end to its reign of terror. Guided by the spirits of my ancestors, I set out on a journey into the heart of the wilderness, armed with the knowledge and skills passed down through generations. The Wendigo was elusive, and I found myself chasing shadows and whispers as I desperately searched for any sign of the creature. It was during this hunt that I made a shocking discovery. My closest friend, who had accompanied me on the journey, had been possessed by the Wendigo. I could see the darkness in his eyes, the unnatural hunger that twisted his features into a monstrous visage. It was a devastating revelation that shook me to my core, but I knew that the safety of my tribe depended on my ability to confront the monster within my friend. As I faced the beast, I realized that my only hope was to connect with the spirit that had taken over my friend's body. I spoke to the Wendigo, seeking to uncover its fears, desires, and motivations. Through a deep, emotional connection, and tried to understand the creature's past and what it truly needed to find peace. To my surprise, the Wendigo began to respond. As I listened to its story, I found myself filled with a profound sense of empathy for the creature. It had been cursed to roam the earth, driven by an insatiable hunger and loneliness that it could never escape. It was in that moment that I saw a glimpse of the friend I had lost behind the monster's eyes. 
In a desperate effort to save both my friend and the tribe, I made the ultimate sacrifice. I offered myself to the Wendigo, hoping that my life would be enough to satisfy its hunger and break the curse that had plagued our people. As my vision faded and darkness closed in, I felt the Wendigo's grip on my friend's soul begin to weaken. In the end, my connection with the monster and the empathy I had shown it were enough to change its ways. The Wendigo released my friend and disappeared into the shadows, finally finding the peace it had long sought. While my life was lost, my tribe would remember me as the one who had given everything to protect them from the Wendigo's curse. My name is Tom, and I'm a park ranger at Yosemite National Park. It's my job to protect the park's wildlife and ensure that visitors follow the rules. But when I stumbled upon evidence of illegal hunting in the woods, I knew that something was seriously wrong. I followed the trail of broken branches and disturbed underbrush, and soon discovered a group of hunters huddled around a map. They were talking in hushed tones and I couldn't make out what they were saying. But when they noticed me standing there, they quickly packed up their gear and tried to make a run for it. I managed to catch up with them and demanded to see what they were hunting. At first... Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. They were hesitant to show me, but eventually they revealed that they were tracking Bigfoot. I was shocked. I knew that hunting was forbidden, but Bigfoot, are they messing with me or are they high? In any case, I decided to play their game and I'd tell them that Bigfoot hunting was strictly forbidden in the park. And I told the hunters that they needed to leave immediately. But they didn't listen. They were determined to catch the creature and make a fortune selling it to the highest bidder. For the next few days, I tried to keep an eye on the hunters, but they were crafty. They moved through the woods quickly and quietly, leaving no trace behind. And then, one day, they disappeared entirely. I searched the area for any signs of them, but they were nowhere to be seen. It was as if they had vanished into thin air. If they found Bigfoot, I guess that creature eaten them. As a park ranger, I thought I had seen everything the woods had to offer. But that was before I stumbled upon the artifact. It was buried deep in the woods, buried beneath a pile of leaves and twigs. I almost missed it, but something about the way it glinted in the sunlight caught my eye. 
I dug it up with my bare hands, and as soon as I held it in my grasp, I knew that it was something special. It was a strange device, with a series of buttons and knobs that I had never seen before. But as I examined it more closely, I started to realize that it was attracting something, something dangerous. At first, I thought it was just my imagination. But as I walked through the woods, I could feel a presence behind me, watching my every move. It was like a predator, stalking its prey. I tried to shake the feeling, but it only grew stronger. And then, it attacked me. It was like nothing I had ever seen before. It was fast and agile, with razor-sharp teeth and claws. It moved through the woods with lightning speed, and I could barely keep up. I tried to defend myself, but my gun was no match for the creature's speed and agility. It seemed to be drawn to the artifact, and it wouldn't stop until it had taken it back. As I ran through the woods, I realized that I was hopelessly outmatched. The predator was faster, stronger, and more determined than I could have ever imagined, and as it closed in on me, I knew that my time was running out. But then... Something strange happened. The artifact in my hands started to glow, and the predator recoiled in fear. It was like the device had some kind of power over the creature, something that it couldn't resist. I took my chance and ran, running as fast as I could through the woods. I didn't look back, but I could feel the predator's presence behind me growing weaker with each passing moment. When I finally made it back to the ranger station, I was shaken and confused. I had never encountered anything like that before, and I had no idea what to do next. But I knew one thing for sure. The artifact was dangerous, and I couldn't let it fall into the wrong hands. I locked it away in a secure location, knowing that it would always be a threat lurking in the shadows of the woods. And to this day, I can still feel the predator's presence stalking me from the depths of the forest. I know that I got lucky that I narrowly escaped with my life. But I also know that there are things out there that we can't explain, things that we may never fully understand. And that terrifies me more than anything. A Bible quiz team in Texas. For those who don't know, trust me, I understand why people wouldn't. Bible quiz teams memorize chapters of the Bible and go to tournaments that quiz the participants on different aspects of the chapter and verses. You get top three and the state nationals is next. We ended up the top of our state and won a trip to St. Louis. Missouri, all expenses paid. My dad went with us, which was awesome because my dad is a not super strict Christian and just came with us to hang out and chaperone. While we were at one tournament, he took the day to see our Cajun family who had moved up to St. Louis. He met us back at an ice cream parlor and looked sweaty and stressed. He pulled me aside and told me on his way back from seeing my tante and uncle he was driving and a car kept tailgating him. He said he tapped the brakes and started to get pissed off like he normally does, but he had a bad feeling, so he switched lanolines to let them pass. The car pulled up to keep speed, and he swears he saw a man with no face staring at him from the passenger side of the other car. He said he felt sick and terrified. You have to understand, my dad is United States Marine Corps of Vietnam and has seen some pretty horrific things in his life. 
This situation freaked him out so much he asked me not to tell the team about it and to this. He doesn't like to talk about it. He's pretty sensitive to paranormal occurrences, but this is one story he says still scares him. I didn't think about it until I heard similar stories and related the stories my great-grandma told. She was full-blooded Cherokee. On my dad's side, we have Navajo roots, so far as I've been told. Did he see a skinwalker that day? Does it relate to our background in blood? I've always been curious and creeper out by this story. Camping in the Allegheny National Forest back in 99 with this girl I was dating. Two bears stopped about a hundred feet or so away and checked us out. We basically just froze, and they continued on their way after a few seconds. I think I was rummaging through our food sack where there was jerky and stuff like that. It was the middle of summer, so it's not like food was scarce for them. Plus, there were other people not too far, but still, my heart sure skipped a beat. My boyfriend, Jason, and I went on a month-long camping trip to multiple states. Everything had been going really well. Until October 9th, we decided to ditch a campground reservation and randomly pitch our tent near Albion Basin within the Uinta Mountains. Ulta, Utah, not far off the Secret Lake trailhead. We parked our car around 3 p.m. at the Albion Basin campground closed for season. Admittedly, it was a little tense because this was our first dispersed camping attempt and we had no proper backpacking gear. Upon arrival, we realized the area we wanted to pitch our tent was about two miles uphill. At this point, we started to express regret as we had planned campsite in Nephi, Utah that we decided to skip on a whim. After grumping around a bit and having a large lunch to avoid packing food, we packed our backpacks with the best gear we had to get through the night, as it was going to be 25 Fahrenheit. We set out up the trail, seeing the occasional family or couple heading down the mountain. As we trudged on, we both started to feel strange, as if we did not really even know why we were doing this, as if we should have just gotten a hotel instead of trying to play backpackers for the night but we both felt like we had something to prove, so we continued. Fast forward, we made it up to Secret Lake. Totally empty, so nothing like the pictures disappointing and eerie. Whatever. We keep hiking up and up an attempt for seclusion and flat land when we stumble across a decent space. I see a small cave in the distance and point it out to Jason to deliberate. If it's a hell no kind of situation, but after he checked it out, he says it seems like a small animal crawl space. No biggie. We set up as nightfall was quickly approaching, play some cards, bundle up, and decide to go to bed early around 8.30 p.m. as we planned to leave ASAP in the morning. Maybe 5 a.m. We both dwindled slowly, and after what feels like 30 minutes, I woke up abruptly at 11.24 p.m. I woke up with a feeling I have never experienced before. I woke up wide awake, scared but unprovoked, and as if there was no way in hell I was going to fall back asleep when I always sleep through the night. Jason was asleep, so I let him be and just lie there alert, 
trying to listen to anything I could hear, which was nothing, very silent. Around 12 a.m., Jason woke up stirring, much to my delight, as I did not want to feel alone anymore. I told him I could not sleep, but he suggested I just rest my eyes as we were leaving early in the morning. I agreed, initially not wanting to be a baby and say I was very scared. This was very short-lived, as Jason could not fall back asleep himself, and we ended up laying there together, trying to sleep when I ended up blurting out I was scared. We agreed it fine for us to just stick it through the night as it was now approaching 2.30 a.m., and we had a small axe and a pellet gun for protection, so I did not need to be frightened. Not even five minutes later, we are still wide awake, and Jason's head perks up so fast, my heart jumped out of my chest and I whispered, What is it? He replied, Listen, and I shit you not. We distinctly heard the sound of gravel crunching under boots, as if someone walked up to our tent, stopped, and then walked to my side of the tent. I felt the blood drain out of my face in an instant. In real time, this all occurred in no more than ten seconds, but my mind flashed a million thoughts, and for a millisecond I was convinced it was a ranger coming to tell us we could not camp there, so I called out, Hello, my brain entirely sure I heard human footsteps. Within two, three seconds of hearing the footsteps, Jason grabbed the gun and bursted out of the tent for any chance to confront this person, as I knew he heard exactly what I had heard. Nothing. There was nothing there. As soon as Jason bursted out and me after him, there was nothing there. We heard something walk up so clearly, but nothing walked away. Hardly exchanging two words, we packed up our stuff, looking over our shoulders, terrified, feeling watched, and booked it down the mountain with only moonlight guiding our way, too scared to turn on our flashlights. This was the worst. Twenty... Thirty minutes of my life, half expecting to look over my shoulder to find someone following us. When we made it to our car, we locked the doors and started the descent out of the mountains, almost speechless and scared out of our minds. At this point, we reached town about 3.30 a.m. and slept in a well-lit parking lot of a grocery store. We've obviously since discussed what happened that night, and we are both haunted by the sound of those footsteps. I was a park ranger in northern Minnesota's Voyagers National Park. It was a beautiful night, calm and warm. We had just finished a work day, and I was sitting with a co-worker on a dock. We were looking up at the stars and talking about life when all of a sudden a howl came out of the woods. Now, I know what a wolf's howl sounds like, and this was nothing like that. It was far more distorted, more powerful, like whatever it came from had a massive set of lungs. It was unlike any howl I'd ever heard before, extremely loud and very long-lasting, roughly 18 seconds. It started very low in pitch and ended with a higher-pitched towel. It was one long howl with no breaks or pauses. It appeared to be coming from the south, from the woods, and it was very close. We ran inside to grab our guns and lights and decided to go in the woods and try to find the source. But we could not find anything. We heard it again, this time coming from the east. We ran back to our camping trailer, grabbing our recording equipment, and went back into the woods yet again. 
We set up the microphones and started recording sounds. We got the sound a total of four times. We ran back to the office to play the sounds back, and as we listened, we could hear something in the background after we enhanced the sound. This is what we found. As the howl began, it was as if something was growling very loudly, and then, as the howl went on, the howl changed almost in timber, and it seemed to be getting closer. After the howl ended, there was another sound, a howl coming from the other side of the lake. It was a call and response. Two things were talking to each other, two large wolves. Even though it was barely audible from the recording, it was there. We listened to these over and over and were very excited about what we had found, but our supervisor shut the whole thing down. I had never seen him so serious and angry. He told us we could never talk about this incident again, and if we ever did, then we would be fired. We never talked about that night again and have since got rid of the tapes. I've been thinking about that night, though, a lot. It's been haunting me for the past fifteen years. I've tried to block out the whole incident and keep myself occupied with the upcoming 2016 election, but I know that's impossible. Even something as controversial as that will not make my mind go off it. I know that there is something out there, something big and dangerous, but also something that makes me very curious. I am a ranger, so I generally know what's in the woods. I've dealt with bears, wolves, and moose, and other animals. I know what they sound like on an occasion, but this was not a wolf, or at least not a normal one, bear or moose. It was something very large and powerful, and not natural. That is why I wrote to you. I cannot deal with this alone anymore, and I need somebody to talk to about this. I just hope you will not share this with just anybody, but people or somebody who will listen, who will take me seriously. I cannot reveal my identity, otherwise I will be blacklisted by the United States National Park Service. If they found out I told you this, I could lose my job. I hope you can keep my name from the public. Thanks for listening, and have a great day. I had always been fascinated by the dense forests that surrounded our village, a place of both beauty and danger. As a young Native American warrior named Kaya, I had grown up with the stories of the spirits and creatures that lurked in the shadows. But nothing could have prepared me for the day I encountered the Sasquatch. I still remember the first time I saw it. Its towering figure covered in thick fur seemed to blend seamlessly with the trees. I was on a hunting mission when I stumbled upon the creature, watching me with its piercing, intelligent eyes. That day marked the beginning of a series of mysterious events that would change the fate of my tribe forever. One by one, our tribe members began disappearing, and soon we were mourning the loss of nearly forty of our people. We couldn't help but think that the Sasquatch was responsible for the tragic events befalling our tribe. Driven by a desire for justice, I embarked on a quest to confront the creature and put an end to the terror it had inflicted upon us. As fate would have it, I crossed paths with a rival tribe during my pursuit. They too had suffered great losses at the hands of the Sasquatch. We decided to put our differences aside and join forces in our search for the creature. Little did we know that the truth we were about to uncover would shatter everything we thought we knew about the monster we were hunting. Together, 
we discovered that the Sasquatch was not the malevolent beast we had imagined. Instead, it was a spirit guardian sent to protect our land from a far more sinister force that had been lurking in the shadows. This revelation forced us to change our strategy, and we decided to use our combined knowledge of the forest and its spirits to defeat the true enemy. We devised a plan to use illusions to confuse and disorient the dark force. With the guidance of our shamans, we conjured an elaborate web of deceptions, turning the forest into a labyrinth of imaginary foes that would sap the enemy's energy as it fought against its own confusion. As we set our plan into motion, I could feel the weight of responsibility resting heavily on my shoulders. But the spirits were with us, and the illusions we created worked flawlessly, ensnaring the dark force in our trap. In the final confrontation, I realized that the only way to truly defeat this evil was through the ultimate sacrifice. With a heavy heart, I gave my life to destroy the sinister force that had plagued our tribes for so long. As my vision faded, I felt a sense of peace wash over me, knowing that my sacrifice would pave the way for a new alliance between our tribes. In the end, the memory of my life and the illusions we created would live on in the hearts and minds of our people. The Sasquatch, once feared as a deadly creature, would become a symbol of the unity that had been forged between our tribes. And as the forest continued to whisper its secrets, our story would become one more legend passed down through the generations.